Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I'm Kent Garrison. And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things concerning that world of cinema. We discuss movie news, movie rumors, and those ever-important movie rumblings, and then we break it on down for our chosen movie of the week. Fret not, spoiler folks, we will give you ample warning before we head into spoiler territory. And make sure you stick around for the end of the show, where we, Kent and I, will give our weekly recommends. And make sure you check out our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Kent, this week's chosen movie of the week is... This week we're talking about the Farrelly Brothers Dumb and Dumber 2. It's a postcard from Freda Felcher. Harry, I'm pregnant. Please call me. What do you think it means, Harry? Lloyd, I'm going to be a dad. Ah! Look at the postmark. 1991. I had a daughter. I gave her up for adoption. What if we go track her down? You're hot for my daughter. What? Am I right? What? Am I right? It's been a while. It has been a while. It feels a lot longer than it has been, actually. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you, left you without a dope beat to step two. Step two, step two, so step two. You still uh, getting what? over the Aaliyah, the Aaliyah movie? <laughs> yep. It's been tough on me. Should we just start off the show with 20 minutes of Aaliyah movie <laughs> review, actually? Can we pinch it with, with Aaliyah? <laughs> it's not worse. <laughs> this is a movie we never thought we'd even ever get made. No. No, we didn't. We had many conversations in the past on the podcast whether this movie would even come out. We thought correctly, and we, and, we, and we should say, we'll get to our critical thoughts later, but we were totally right that this was easy money for a studio. Oh, absolutely. 100%. It was, uh, it was number one last weekend with uh, $38 million at the box office. I believe the budget that we were discussing in the past was $30 million, mm-hmm. and our consensus was back then that it'll make that at least in the first weekend. Totally. And, uh, you know, like like everything else on this podcast, uh, we were right. I don't know if if this is a movie that's is kind of legendary in Hollywood circles, um, you know, on the coast. But this is a movie kind of in Middle America that is a classic. So I mean, it, I mean, you look at something like even Dumb and Dumberer, right? You know, which had none of the real cast or anything. Wasn't it? It's not as bad of a a flop financially as you would think it didn't do well but you know so you get these guys back involved like we said i think this thing could do 50 80 million in its sleep and if it's good could make 200 million um and we'll get to to that later on uh but this was just you know if you can get a 30 million dollar budget on it if i'm the head of a studio i write that check all day and uh you know someone finally wised up to that uh universal i think was the distributor i don't know what the studio was that so this was at least a smart financial decision. We'll get into, you know, artistically its merit later on. But before we do that, Richard, let's dive into a little bit of movie news, rumors, and rumblings. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumblings. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin! Do we have to? Because there's so little. <laughs> You're right. It's dry out there. It's it is desperate. Dry. And it's we're dull. a man down. We should, we should tell the... Uh, the listeners that uh brian gill is not here this week may he rest in peace yeah may he rest forever in our in peace and in our in our dreams and uh he went just as he wanted to go 
it's hard to say at a uh, now you see me role playing cosplay convention, <laughs> right? And we don't know if he's dead. To be honest, he just disappeared. Yeah, he just walked. He right might be in a bank in Paris. We don't know. We haven't checked. A, I've looked in a few carousels. I haven't yeah. seen him. But Brian, no, Brian had some shoulder surgery, uh, which ended up having to be. It was worse than. Not worse, but it was more intensive than initially thought. So he's kind of holed up on lots of painkillers, and we didn't think it would be smart to let him loose on painkillers on the podcast and keep a record of that. Uh, we didn't think that would be kind nor intelligent of us. To- so Brian, get better, and if listeners out there, drop us an email or shoot Brian a tweet encouraging him. I know he's just sitting there in a drug-addled stupor, but I think he can still read. So so reach out to Brian and tell him that uh, how much better the show is without him. Uh, we'll hope, we hope Brian gets back soon. And I just want to say, I heard at the last minute, he flexed his surgery to Dumb and Dumber 2 week. Yeah. Didn't I'm think getting, he could make it out to that one. So I'm getting my wisdom teeth out during Jupiter Ascending. I hope that's... <laughs> I was so excited that I was going to be in Montana this year during Jupiter Ascending. And then <laughs> they were. freaking pushed it back. That is no lie. That is <laughs> yeah. no lie. Uh, man, that was one of the, I planned my whole trip around it. It was actually... You were actually there during Ninja Turtles. Uh, oh, a throwback right. Ninja Turtles episode. Mm-hmm. So Brian and I had fun on that, and Richard, I'm sure you and I will have fun talking Dumb and Dumber too. But uh, what do we got cracking for movie news this week? Anything? First off, we'll start with a, a new Steve Steve McQueen film. Okay, uh, his, he's kind of announced his uh, follow up to Twelve Years a Slave, and he's actually doing a biopic. Really? You, yeah, he's going to do a biopic of Paul Rob- Robeson, and I think Harry Belafonte is randomly in this. Really? Uh, yeah. Awesome. And so it's about, yeah, Paul Robeson was a uh, actor back in the, uh, I think, vaud- kind of vaudeville days. I think he was known for. So McQueen's announced that. It seems like it's lighter fare than 12 Years a Slave. Uh, but I think literally everything is. So who knows <laughs> Who knows how light this will be? But that's, that's people have been keeping an eye on that for a while. Hey, you've got some Chris Pratt crafting news, our favorite, uh, our favorite Guardian. Do you want to go with that next? So Chris Pratt is getting a lot of um, a lot of attention for his role in Guardians of the Galaxy, as he should be. It was the biggest movie of the summer, if not the year, at this point. Of course, he has Jurassic World coming out next summer, but he has also signed on to it seems like another big blockbuster. And Richard, I think this deserves its own segment, in which you and I try and guess the plot of this movie. Yeah, neither of us have looked up the plot. Uh, we just know all we know is it's Cowboy Ninja Viking, and we've each written down a couple things we think this could be about, and then we're going to see at the end how close we are. Cowboy Ninja Viking. The first one I have here is a it's a biography, a biopic, okay, of uh, mid two thousands Jared Allen, the defensive end for the Vikings. Okay, okay, he's he's a cowboy. Right, he likes to hunt. He's got a big mustache. Um, you know, he's he's known as a ninja at the line because his hands are so quick. And he obviously played for the Minnesota Vikings. So I think it's going to be Chris Pratt as Jared Allen, who now plays for the Chicago Bears. But I think this is going to take place, you know, maybe around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, and just kind of go through those, you know, those Brett Favre seasons, maybe. Uh, so that's my first my first premise. What do you think? But that one's close. It's probably close. Um, I'm going to give it a shot here. Okay. A ninja goes back in time to a land of cowboy Vikings in which he must avenge the death of his long-lost Viking ninja father. Uh, 
the blondest ninja of them all. That that one is is you get I've, into this weird conundrum with this title. Is it a ninja who is now a Viking cowboy, or is it a cowboy who is now a ninja Viking? I think it could also be. Here's my second guess. My last guess: a movie about a pitch meeting at Adult Swim. <laughs> And they just, some guy just raises his hand and says, Cowboy Ninja Viking. And they're like, done. Here's, you know, three million. Go make it. What do you think about that one? It is kind of in the vein of something like a Sharknado. Well, it appears to be uh, exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's about a cowboy ninja who is a Viking. From what I can see by the picture, (laughs) it's a... Well, duh. (laughs) A guy with a hat. And he's got some nunchucks and an, a Viking axe. Okay. In film version, it worries me a little bit. It may be the RIPD of 2016 or whatever <laughs> this comes out. 2016, okay. At one point, Disney bought the comic rights, and then the uh, and the Zombieland screenwriters were going to write it. Oh, Mark Forster is attached to direct. Okay. And Craig Mazin to write the script. Let's see what else he has written. Oh, uh, one of our favorite movies, the the prequel to Interstellar, Rocket Man, starring, <laughs> starring Harlan Williams. <laughs> I have a feeling Harlan Williams' name will come oh, up later. Oh, this in the is podcast, not good but... for Chris Pratt. He needs to bail. Why? I'm going to give you five of this or six of this guy's films. Okay. Okay. Rocket Man. Yeah. Scary Movie Three. Oh. Scary Movie Four. Oh. Identity Thief. Oh. oh, oh, oh. And Hangover 2 and 3. <laughs> not one. Not, one, not the good one. Oh, God. So this is from the mind from the mind of Rocket Man and Identity Thief. Comes. So, Cowboy uh, Ninja Viking. Well, so, I mean. Well, come on, Pratt. In, in all you, honesty, though, when you think of Chris Pratt, you think of Viking Cowboy. <laughs> I mean, it's really the first thing that comes to mind. Look, if anyone can pull this off. Uh, that's great, but I'm going to go ahead and put this one in the <laughs> negative, in the negative camp for him. Look, you you got to get paid, and if there's a big universal paycheck behind this, that's awesome. But this could right. be, uh, you know, he's hot property, much like Melissa McCarthy was when she did Identity Thief. So be wary of of whatever this writer's name is of our, Craig Mason. I'm going to go over these again: Hangover Part Two and Three, Identity Thief, Scary Movies Three and Four, the non Wayne's affiliated scary movies, and <laughs> the, the Harlan- Tisdales, <laughs> yeah, Charlie, Charlie Sheen, Sheen. Yeah. yeah, and then the brilliant Disney film, like I said, prequel to Interstellar, uh, Rocket Man. So, well, well, like I said before, Pratt's got to be getting offers thrown at him left and right because yeah, of Guardians this- of the Galaxy. So, why why would you do this one? Right. Willing to go out on a limb and say it had something to do with a paycheck, but that's one we'll have to look out for. That one's already on the calendar, 2016. Um, I'm looking forward to that podcast. Yeah, and you know what? But Mark Forster had flaming pile of dog crap written all over World War Z, and it was decent. Right. So, you know, maybe he can can do something interesting with this. I, I don't know. So there's a little bit of trailer news we need to discuss, Richard. Yeah. And it's a trailer that I saw when I screened Dumb and Dumber 2. Uh, this past week, it was really cool to experience it on the big screen, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. It's one that we had briefly discussed um, off the air. Eagerly anticipated film blockbuster next summer, Tomorrowland, Brad Bird's science fiction project with Damon Lindelof. Mm-hmm. Uh, teaser trailer has been released. 
Richard, I just want you to give the the fans, the listener, the, your first impressions of it because uh, I yeah. understand you were quite fond. I was. This is my favorite trailer of the year. Uh, don't be. Don't read into this too much for pure excitement, though, because my favorite trailer of last year, I think, was Man of Steel. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> that doesn't. Mean- it was a good trailer in your defense. It was. It was. There was another trailer, too, that I loved, and the movie was just abysmal. But uh, so I, d- I don't judge a movie by a trailer, obviously. Uh, but tomorrow, you know, given the talent involved, Bird, uh, Brad Bird, and uh, the aforementioned Mr. Lindelof and, and George Clooney starring and Hugh Laurie and, and stuff like this, I think it's, and it's an original concept, right? So well, I'm, based I'm, off the theme right. park Tomorrowland. Loosely, based off, loosely yeah, based. Like how Pirates of the Caribbean is based off that ride, sure. but it's still kind of original in its own way. Yeah, I'm excited for this. This is probably this is pretty high up on my most anticipated of next summer, which is saying a lot. Pardon me, which is saying a lot because you know next summer is. I, I'm just gonna. I think I'm gonna see about just getting a seat license, like at Jerry World, <laughs> at my movie theater, and just right. seeing if that's cheaper than buying tickets. You know, three times a weekend. Because yeah. I'm gonna see Entourage alone like seven <laughs> times. We're gonna be doing a lot of podcasting next summer. Uh, looking forward to a lot of these. I was really impressed by this trailer. Just the simplicity of the teaser, yeah, impressed me. And Clooney hasn't done a huge blockbuster since Oceans and like Perfect Storm. I can't think of well, Batman and Robin. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, the the and even Oceans, I think, was like a fall release. I don't remember what the sequels were, but I don't think they were like big summer tent poles. But I think. Well, honestly, Perfect Storm, 14 years ago, might have been Clooney's last big blockbuster. So it'll be fun to see him doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Brad Bird, he did The Incredibles, and uh, he did the last uh, Mission Impossible, right? Right. And I really like that. I know that had kind of mixed reviews, but I, I really enjoyed it. I'm pumped. Now I'm going through this, uh, the Clooney. They're all, he's done very kind of serious. You look, it's like Ides of March, Descendants, The American, Men Who Stare at Goats, Leatherheads. Michael Clayton, Intolerable Cruelty. <laughs> Man, he he had Leatherheads and Men Who Stare at Goats back-to-back. That's got to be rough. With But he luckily had Fantastic Mr. Fox in between. Okay, gotcha. And then American and Ides of March back-to-back, which were rough. Descendants, kind of a bounce-back. Gravity, nice bounce-back. And then another step backwards with Monuments Men. I mean, you look at his blockbuster work, for such a huge movie star, here are Clooney's movie star roles. Batman and Robin. Uh, out of sight, Three Kings, Perfect Storm. That, those were all back to back to back to back. Yeah, and then Oh Brother Where Art Thou and Ocean's Eleven there, and then really since then it's been kind of you know Oscar style movies with you know a few Ocean sequels. Uh, and for someone that that is such a movie star, I, I would guess that his actual gross is is pretty low compared to other. You know, yeah, you look at yeah. you know you you he has he has of, taken more of an indie route in in his career. Yeah, you look at someone you would you would probably compare him to someone like Robert Downey Jr. in terms of movie stardom, right? Clooney, they're super A list, mm-hmm. but I bet Robert Downey Jr. has probably grossed five times the amount of money that Clooney has. Oh yeah, easily. So so is Adam just, Sandler, but <laughs> that's my point. I mean, I was like yeah. like I'm saying what I'm trying the point I'm trying to make is that Adam Sandler is the greatest actor of all time. <laughs> It'll, it's it's the first big summer George Clooney starring movie in, in a long time. What will be interesting to see is what role Tim McGraw plays in this film because I oh, see is, he is, is uh, he, in this? he is in this. I actually like I actually like Tim McGraw as an actor. 
I we I he was good in Blindside. He was Friday Night Lights. Yeah, he's kind of understated. You know, he reminds you of. Uh, I think Christopherson was kind. I think that's kind of the the vibe he's going for. You know, Christopherson was kind of an understated actor as well. And Flicka, let's not forget. Oh yeah, I'm looking at a poster of it in my office right now. So <laughs> I never ever forget about Signed it. Signed and framed. Yeah, by uh, director Michael Mayer. Mine's just signed by the horse. <laughs> oh, it's, oh got, it's a uh, it's a hoof it's a hoof print. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that weird? I'm just super into Flicka. You know, there's Flicka too. Let me guess, That's... starring Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> Have you noticed how Larry the Cable Guy is just in every crappy sequel? It's like, well, we can't Straight get the original. People. Let's just get Larry the Cable Guy, like the Santa Claus Five, starring. Larry the Cable Guy. The Flick of Two is starring uh, Tamin Serzak, Clint Black, so they couldn't... <laughs> they just went with second. You can't make that up. <laughs> and here's the weirdest. And George Patrick, Strait. And Patrick Warburton. Oh, I like Patrick Warburton. Yeah. O'Malley so, candidate. Yeah. yeah, he is an O'Malley. He is an O'Malley candidate. The Tick. The Tick himself. Putty. D- David Putty. Yeah, <laughs> classic. Classic. We need to wa- maybe we'll do a podcast on Flicka too. We need a good like April Fool's episode. <laughs> Send in requests for for off the wall movies. We should do a, a new a series. A new series. We do we do series on this podcast. We've done rants and raves. We do the throwback series. Maybe we should do an off the wall series where it's just the most random movie you could ever think of. And uh, and we yeah, I've got one movies. called a gnome named Norm. That I Norm spelled with a G, uh, silent G. Uh, <laughs> that I watched. I had a, a bootleg uh, VHS of as a kid, and I watched it a lot. It's kind of an ET type thing, yeah. but with a gnome. We're recording this show live, Kent and I, in the uh, in the Mad About Movie Movies bunker. It's hard to. We should post a picture sometime. But we have about what would you say about thirty or forty TV screens at all times, right? Scrolling movies and, and ticker items, and this just scrolled across a ticker. Uh, it's a pretty slow news week. We're not going to lie here. Sitting in our beanbag chairs, and we see that uh, we've got some some news from the news fairy. Kent, would you like me to report this? <laughs> yes, news fairy. Okay. Uh, hey, I'm not the news fairy. <laughs> we've got the a movie we've talked about a lot on this show, and especially a lot recently. Uh, we've talked about directors coming and going. We've talked about actors uh, coming and going. Christian Bale, Seth Rogen, Michael Fassbender, all the Steve Jobs movie. Uh, is officially dead at uh, at Sony Pictures. They're not going to make it at Sony. Doesn't mean it won't be made, but it's it's a pretty big death blow at Sony because Sony's uh, desperate <laughs> in a lot of ways for for hits, and uh, they've they've killed this project. So interesting, Kent. I know you were you're the you're the Jobs historian among us. I I know you've you've read kind of everything there is to read, and and you watch uh, the Ashton Kutcher film weekly or daily. <laughs> Actually, the uh, Noah Wiley, uh, so oh, Pirates yeah. of Silicon Valley. <laughs> That's right. That's where I am. Yeah, that one's far superior if anyone knows the <laughs> canon. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on this? To be honest, it's it's upsetting, but I mean, it's an Aaron Sorkin script, so it'll end up making a TV show for a season and a half uh, somewhere <laughs> eventually. <laughs> uh, uh, don't even. The newsroom started, and uh, I've talked about that on the show before. It's. Uh, it's a show I love to hate, and I hate. I'm not alone in hate watching. It's certainly an original thought, but uh, 
it's been a I'm only one episode in. I know they've made two have been released, but it's uh it's a lot of speechifying, put it to you that way. I know it's shocking in a Sorkin script. I say that in jest about Aaron Sorkin because I really do want to see this movie get made because of that fact. Totally. Let alone Michael Fassbender and Seth Rogen together uh, in an Aaron Sorkin scripted film with Danny Boyle directing. And it piques my interest as a, as a moviegoer, um, if not a critic. So, man, I, I, I'm sad to see it come to an end, at least for now. Um, I, I think this will get resurrected in, in about a year or so. And yeah. it, it'll eventually come out. It'll be like The Hateful Eight. Um, it'll be put on holds and they, they'll swear they're not going to make it. But, um, you know, the script just might be too good to, uh, it might be just a huge injustice that it doesn't get made. So sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully it, uh, it does. And the way we've heard that it is, is, is made, uh, or the way we heard it's structured is, is certainly interesting. And I think would right. lend itself to, uh, Sorkin's writing more than, than something. So he definitely is a talented, very talented writer, sometimes too talented. And then, but in the right, as we saw with Social Network, with the right framework around him, he can be uh, very interesting. But I think part of me thinks, uh, you know, this this project probably died when, when Fincher left, at least at Sony. Structure that you speak of, basically it was going to be three 30-minute walk-and-talks, Sorkin walk-and-talks, uh, that take place between three Apple keynotes. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the premise, and that sounded interesting to me. I like the idea of instead of trying to temper the Sorkinness of it, just like doubling down on the Sorkin. Exactly, and uh, I think that that would have been interesting, and hopefully we we will get to see it. But uh, you know, maybe Fincher will have time for it, or or another studio will give him creative control over it, you know, or something like that. It could certainly be interesting because I think he he's those two work really well together. Sounds like it would make a good play. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Another interesting, uh, you know, that's how Sorkin started. I'm saying you know a lot, right? Uh, that's how Sorkin started uh, with a few good men. Is a few good men. I wouldn't say officer and a gentleman. A few good men started as a play, and so yeah, it'd be cool to see him uh, return to his roots, and so to speak. So I've got some news here uh, okay. from the from the news fairy. Uh, one more thing. Last okay. Thing. Well, this one is 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 very specific. Uh, Melissa McCarthy has been announced the patron saint of this podcast. (laughs) What if I told you Melissa McCarthy was in a Sean Levy film? Ooh. And what if I told you that was about Tinkerbell, but I bet she's like an (laughs) overweight Tinkerbell that doesn't care and falls down a lot. Doesn't know how to use her wings. No. I mean, I'm just guessing because Tinkerbell can't be overweight. That's why it's funny. That's the news. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy will star in a Tinkerbell movie directed by Sean Levy <laughs> for Fox. Once again, sometimes you just can't make this stuff up. Okay. Is it, is it comedy? Serious? Non-serious? I'm guessing it's going to be a family Animation, comedy. maybe? It's, it's a comedy adventure with Sean Levy, who, who's done Cheaper by the Dozen, Cheaper by the Dozen 2. We saw, didn't we see some, one of his movies this year? This is where I leave you. That's right. He, so that was his serious, yeah. kind of serious. But he's also done Real Steel, uh, Date Night, which was was okay. A famous Jet Jackson, the Ashton Kutcher, uh, Brittany Murphy, rest in peace, a masterpiece, just married, and the Frankie Muniz masterpiece, Big Fat Liar. Oh, the last thing we should mention before we talk Dumb and Dumber Two is 
Speaking of fast, they have announced that they're really they are releasing three more fast films after Fast Seven. So yeah. we're going to go to to an even ten. It looks like, and it's it's going to be kind of a multi part finale that we've heard will all be directed by Justin Lin. Exciting. But that is exciting because that he's done he, everything he's done on that series has been fantastic. So right. I was kind of bummed he had to leave for this one, but it, it's cool that he's coming back to finish it off. It feels right. It does. Everything about Fast feels right. It's uh, it's America's it franchise. It is amazing how well <laughs> and self-aware they are about this whole thing. Yeah, I get um, it. Unlike uh, people yeah. that make Tinkerbell movies with Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> Speaking of people who get it, let's talk the Fairley Brothers and Dumb and Dumber 2. First off, I just want to say and reiterate how weird it was yeah. to be in this movie, to screen this movie. I never thought I would see it the day, and it really was sort of an out-of-body experience for me <laughs> to be sitting there, and when the lights went down, I was like, am, am I really about to watch a Dumb and Dumber sequel mm-hmm. right now, 20 years after the fact? Kent, you were born in 1987, correct? Right. And I was born in 1986, uh, so I was eight and you were seven in 1994. Uh, so people not of our generation know like how big Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber were, but they don't really know what it, how big it was to people really within like three years of our age. Right. Because Jim Carrey is the every seven to ten year old's perfect comedian. Mm-hmm. And we were seven to ten. <laughs> you know, in nineteen ninety four he made Ace Ventura the mask and then he closed the year with Dumb and Dumber all in one year. We're all released in nineteen ninety four. Uh so you know, that that's uh absurd. And there's no it, it, just think about that. I mean, think if you know, if Jonah Hill just had three huge comedies in in one year. Uh but even that he kind of it had this sort of family appeal, even though Dumb and Dumber isn't necessarily the most uh, kid-friendly film in terms of subject matter. but So, as big as this movie was, it's kind of bigger to us, we should say, right? Just because of the age we were when we saw it. Yeah. And uh, we totally grew up. I have seen Dumb and Dumber probably 100 times. How many times do you think you've seen At it? At least. Maybe 200. And, and that's not an exaggeration. I watched it about two weeks ago. Uh, and I probably haven't seen it in five years. This is probably the longest gap in my life without wow. seeing it. And uh, I still knew every single beat of the movie. You know, it's just like in my bones, this movie, mm-hmm. which is sad because there's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a great dumb comedy, <laughs> but it's just a dumb comedy. I wish there was something better in my bones. I wish like, you know, Bach was in my bones or something, <laughs> but this is unfortunately, you know, stuff and Um And MacGruber. Right. It's who I am. That being said, I, I totally support your your statement of how weird it was to see it again and how yeah. weird even in trailers, you know, just like they don't look exactly the same, but it's just it's Harry and Lloyd, you know, and and the, I, I don't know. It was bizarre to see them outside of the context of that first film. We're going to go over general thoughts right now and we'll say a little bit more spoiler specific stuff for later. But I just want to say, first off. Uh, go see Dumb and Dumber 2 before you listen to this review. I don't want to ruin anything or um, ruin an experience that maybe you would have that, that I didn't have or or that I did have. So um, usually, usually with 
uh, non-comedies, we, we can keep it pretty spoiler-free before um, giving anything away. But with comedies, sometimes you have to discuss jokes that were used and never want to mm-hmm. ruin a joke for somebody. So I will no. say that. But for my general thoughts, that I was shocked at how detached this was from the original Dumb and Dumber and how it felt almost weirdly like a parody of a sequel to Dumb and Dumber. Does that make sense at all to you? Totally. And I think a lot of that is much like uh, Kingpin, you know, the Fairley brothers didn't write this as they, they just directed it. And I think it's really too bad. Not that they're the greatest writers in the world, but they definitely understand the tone of this. And it was written, they, for some reason, it's written by, written by other people. And it, oh, it, okay. it does kind of seem, it, it doesn't exist in that same universe in, in, in an odd way. Yeah, this yeah. was written by, I mean, they're kind of, they're on the writing thing, on the staff, but it was mostly this guy, Sean Anders and Mike Cerrone, I think, that wrote the shooting script. Yeah. Just the tone of it did not match the original at all in any way, shape, or form. And it was what I had brought up, an issue I had brought up in the trailer when we when we discussed the trailer on the podcast a few months mm-hmm. ago when it debuted. I, I was I was most scared about the tone, and um and that and for a sequel, at least match the tone of the original. If yeah. you're not going to match the jokes or anything like that, so and that's um, jarring right away. Very uh, jarring. The, yeah. The best uh, the best review, and I'm not going to claim this is original at all. The best review I heard on this movie, and I thought it was a really brilliant way to put it, and and Ken, I think you'll get this because you played high school football, but it was by uh, uh, Brian Bishop, who's on the uh, Adam Carolla podcast. And he said, you know when you grow up, and let's say, Ken, you're playing high high school football, and you're on a bad team, and you know your team's bad. You guys are- Not me. No, just kidding. (laughs) You guys are one and six- you know, you've got to, it's just, you're just trying to get to the end of the season so that you can get to basketball season or whatever's going on. And you're playing the best team in your district. And uh, they're 7 0. And you're playing them Friday night. And somewhere about Wednesday, when you start going through practice and go through the game plan, you kind of get the feeling of, hey, we're going we're gonna to win this game. Why not us? Yeah. Why not? Why, you know, why couldn't Dumb and Dumber 2 be good? You know, maybe it's going to be good. You know, and that's kind of how I felt in the week leading up to it is what maybe it's these trailers. I'm chuckling a little bit. Maybe it's going to be good. And then two minutes into the game on Friday, you're on your butt and your nose is bleeding and they're up 14 to nothing. And you go, oh, oh yeah, <laughs> of, course, of course, it's going to be bad. And that's exactly how I felt watching this uh, was, you know, I had this kind of glimmer of hope the last couple days before I saw it. You know, I, right. I've been really down on it for a year. I knew it was a one in six <laughs> movie. And then about three days before, I thought, you know what? No, I'm going into this. This is going to be good. And uh, and then, you know, um, three minutes in, once I could kind of get a feel for the tone, I was I was on my butt with my nose bleeding, looking at the scoreboard, wondering how long, how long until this is over. Yeah, I was wondering, and I was going to ask you to start off your general thoughts just by saying when when it all when did it go wrong for you? It, it didn't take long for me to to kind of jump out of that dumb and dumber universe and expectation and just try to say, I, I try to be positive because I have so much affinity for everyone involved in this. Like we went over earlier and even though that none of them have done really anything good in 20 years, <laughs> well, Carrie's done some stuff in the last, you know, maybe hasn't done anything good in 15 years, maybe, yeah. but you know, it's just, it, you want it to, to work. And I just, I spent the whole movie just trying to make it work, but it was, it was pretty instant that I was kind of out. What about you? 
it was just so predictable mm-hmm. and cheap. And you know what? Some some of what was most offensive was there was such a feeling of spontaneity in the first movie that you really didn't know what was going to happen. And a lot of the lines that come out of nowhere end up being the most quotable lines in the movie, like yeah. such as, I like it a lot and stuff. Yeah. And they make it in this movie, they repeat things from the first movie. And all that to say that these things are habitually done by Harry and Lloyd now. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that wasn't just a special <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah, they, they, this is a bit. Like, this is this is a like a sickness that they have. Yeah, this dumbness. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Am that, I right? <laughs> like that's a tick or something. There, yeah, and see that's the stuff that didn't work. The stuff that worked with the kind of surprising, the return address bit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like those kind of original moments of them being dumb in unique ways. Is I'm down with that. I'll laugh at that all day. Just those guys saying those same things and, and using those same jokes and doing the same cadence and over and over again. I I have the DVD of the first movie. Like I can watch that. And I know as someone that's pushing for been pushing for Dumb and Dumber Two, that sounds stupid to say. But, you know, this isn't this is exactly kind of what they didn't need to do, is just try to recreate the first one. <laughs> right. Because there is the first one is there, you know, and, and you know, it's one thing if you're doing look. Major League Two is essentially Major League all over again, but they made those movies three years apart. But when you're doing it 20 years later, it needs to be different. It needs right. to kind of have a new spin on it. And so this just didn't. They just made a worse version of the same movie. It lacks inspiration, and you know it's what? A cash grab. This was such a cash grab. But we t- we told them to do it. The Farrelly brothers and Jim Carrey have gotten to the point. In their career, and this is, you know, they they would probably admit this too, where they, they, they've told themselves for the past 20, 20 years, well, you know, worse comes to worse, yeah. uh, we'll just do a Dumb and Dumber sequel. And, you know, it's an inevitability that I unfortunately came true. And we mentioned earlier that, that New Line passed on the rights to distribute um, this movie, Dumb and Dumber 2, but um, they have retained the rights to distribute uh, Dumb and Dumber three. As oh, okay. So we will. Uh, news came down today, actually, that Dumb and Dumber three is now being discussed. And yeah. who's to blame them with the weekend they had? Honestly, let's talk about how c- kind of good it was to see this movie do well. Though, does that yeah. kind of make you happy? Because I, I, I'll be honest. I only want the best for the Fairley brothers and and Jim Carrey and Same. and. All involved, but I mean, it's just unfortunate what what's gone down the past decade. Like we mentioned, sure. I, I think you're totally right. I feel the same way. Part of it's just an affinity for those guys, like I said, and also just uh, <laughs> as much as I love them, I love me more. And and you and I and, and Brian on this show and in, in private have been saying, you know, why not make this? There's no risk. So really, more than anything, I wanted to make a lot of money because I wanted to be right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in that. You know, this was such an easy. I, I don't know whoever's at New Line. Like that's fireable. This was an easy moneymaker. Like they don't. Yeah. They need. They don't. I don't think they understood how big this movie is. You know, amongst most of the world. You know, and and so, or most of the country at least. This is this is a, maybe. I I think this has more legs than something about Mary. As big as there's something about Mary is, I think people yeah. more people know Dumb and Dumber. Maybe that's also because it's PG-13 as opposed to R. Uh, but to me, Dumb and Dumber 
into people my age group, I know it's not just me, is is a top three comedy ever in terms of like influence. So you make a sequel to it. If they're everyone, if the original parts are willing to do it, you make a sequel and you just you collect your check. You you keep the production under forty million and you and you just keep your sixty million dollars that you make. I mean, that's pretty easy. That's about as easy as it gets in the film business anyway, as far as making money. Yeah. Whether or not it's an artistic success is a totally different argument. But yeah, it was good to see it make money, at least that, because it was like, uh, this is pretty bad, but at least, you know, these guys, not that any of them are starving probably, but at least they can kind of feel good about themselves uh, for after, you know, 10 years of maybe not. Before we discuss uh, more specifics about the film itself, how do we feel about Carrie right now? Did you see him host SNL? I did. How did you feel about it? It's that thing, man, where it, <laughs> it's that thing, man. I it, goes, yeah. it goes away. It's this weird comedy thing. Uh, it, it's so much like being an athlete. You know, you have your run and it's whatever it is, 10 years, 15 years. And you look and go. I mean, it, it, it's certainly not Kerry's fault. He was huge. And he's funny and he's still funny, but he's never going to be like he was. I mean, you look at Chevy. You look at Eddie Murphy, Sandler. I mean, yeah. there's there's something that happens. I think part of it is you know you just get older and you maybe you're not in touch as in touch with what's funny. But the other part of it is I think you get these guys were such big star. You look how you know you read about how fame changed, changed Chevy Chase. Uh, you you look about you know how Eddie Murphy was going around with an entourage of X amount of people wearing you know leather suits and trying to be Michael Jackson. <laughs> you look about how you know. Sandler's entire dorm floor from NYU works for him and and you just everyone just laughs at everything you say and says yep do that one boss do that one boss and you kind of lack any editing you know and I think Jim Carrey is someone that has this sort of Looney Tune face but there was a kind of menace to him in the 90s that was made him really funny and you know you you cash six or seven 20 million dollar checks and Maybe that kind of menace goes away. You know, you're flying around in your jet, and you're you're so removed. You know, Mike Myers, same way. I mean, you're so being funny is is so much about knowing what's going on in the world, and it's just impossible to know what's going on in the world. I think when you reach a certain point, and I think Carrie's been there for ten years, and he's still the bones are all still there. He can still make his face funny, but the time it's just jilted and weird and kind of awkward. You know, much like much like how Chevy is. You know, you. Or at least where Chevy was maybe in 1994. Not everybody can be Bill Murray and just prolong your comedic yeah. career for 40 so, years. Honestly. Totally. No, it's, it's it impressive. makes you appreciate. There's a few of those guys yeah. that have done it. You know, the Steve Martins and the, and the Bill Murrays uh, that have done it. And uh, it's, it's, it's weird. You know, the, the interesting thing is I think a lot of physical comedy, which I think a lot of these guys share – Maybe that goes sooner. The timing of that goes. You look at Steve Martin as someone that never really relied too much on physical comedy. He's more of a writer. And you look where Myers is now. You know, Love Guru pretty much was a kill shot to his career. Yeah. Kind of where Carrie was maybe 10 years ago. But now he's trying to kind of do the documentary thing and is appearing some places. But yeah, you just get, I think you just get so far removed from society. It's just hard to be funny. What about you? What, what were your thoughts on seeing Carrie? You know what? I'll give Carrie credit. He was the only believable part of this movie. I will say he really committed to being Lloyd again. The the way that, I guess, Harry 
or Jeff Daniels' interpretation of Harry has matured over 20 years is not I'm not a fan of of how he brought Harry back. Um, way dumber than I remember him being. Uh, I felt like Harry was the straight one and and Lloyd was the crazy one in the, sure. in the first one. Those roles seem to be reversed mm-hmm. in uh, Dumb and Dumber too. But like I said, it, it it was good to see Carrie and the few humorous moments that I found uh, in the movie came from Carrie. What was some of the humorous moments for you, if if any? There's some funny moments in this movie. Unfortunately, like we predicted, they're all in the trailer. You know that uh, the trailer piece about him being in the the uh, being incapacitated for 20 years. Yeah, that's a funny bit. I would have loved to have seen that for the first time in the movie. That would have gotten me off to a raucous start, right? And maybe paced the whole movie differently. But we saw it. some of the marketing around this was odd, and and there was too much. Fo- I thought there was way too much too much focus on the kind of complexity of the story in this one. Not that it's complex at all, but I just found the the first movie, no pun intended, to be so much more simple and just allowing the comedy to kind of free flow. Whereas this, you, you kind of had to keep up with weird plot points throughout. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, you're right. And so not that it's, you know, uh, Tinker Taylor soldier. Basically copy and paste the plot from Tommy boy and, uh, paste it on the dumb and dumber sequel. And that's totally. dumb and dumber too. <laughs> and honestly, just some really small kind of physical stuff from Carrie, the way he says like boys rule, girls rule. Yeah, uh, like stuff like that. Really, not even funny stuff. Maybe made me tickle, but it really I can't think of anything that wasn't like in the trailer. Aside from that, uh, like I said, that one with the uh, return address, I thought was funny. I, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it was funny right off the bat to see uh, Rangers starting pitcher Derek Holland in the f- first scene of the movie. Uh, so as, funny that as he one pulled of the, that off as one of the people in the insane asylum. Mm-hmm. He was known for doing a. Harry and Lloyd impression or, or wearing the suits from the original dumb and dumber at a, I guess, high profile MLB event. So I'm sure that got the Farrelly brothers attention and sure enough, there he was. I saw yeah. it with my own eyes. Well, yeah, he, he can maybe, maybe be the Cam Neely for a new generation. Uh, as far as moments that made me laugh, uh, few and far between. I think yeah. the, the bit with the lottery ticket was kind of, was pretty funny to okay. me. Yeah, that's fine. The funniest joke in the movie still to me was look at these look at these girls at three o'clock. Well, three o'clock oh, that's yeah. three hours from now. Why can't yeah. I look at them now? That's see, that, that's, that's the, the, the of... funniest movie. That's the kind of stuff from the first movie. Yes, that felt exactly like a rejected line from Dumb and Dumber. Totally, that's the um, stuff they needed was just original ways of showing they're dumb instead of just yeah replaying a greatest hits. There was a certain charm to the first movie where Harry and Lloyd didn't know that they were dumb. And in Dumb and Dumber 2, there's this self-realization that I'm not fond of where they're obviously aware of the fact that they're so incapable of things. Like one of my favorite lines in Dumb and Dumber is, I can't believe there's not a single job in this town. Nothing. Not a zip. Yeah. Unless you want to work 40 hours a week. Yeah. Like stuff like that is just, you know, they're socially awkward. And in this, it's not that way. Um, Jokes such as, uh, the worm farm from the first movie, mm-hmm. really funny, random, randomly funny is why it's is is what makes it funny because who would have a worm farm in their house? And this one, it's a it's a, a pop culture reference. They resort to a joke about uh, Breaking Bad <laughs> for yeah. their apartment, and and we get a Honey Boo Boo appearance later in the movie. I mean, they resort to things that there's no that reason was, for. That it. Was Just write something funny, you know. 
That was probably the moment I was like officially out out. Was the <laughs> Ma- Mama June? Yes. Once I saw that, I was like, whoa. That's when it became out from eh. This is rough to like outright bad, in my opinion. For me, the moment was where they walk into the funeral and he throws away the banana uh, peel in a yeah. coffin with a body in it. Um, yeah. And then they drink the embalming fluid. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that would never would have never happened in the original <laughs> Dumber. I just don't. I just don't think it would have. But there were but there were elements of that that felt um, reminiscent of it, such as them driving a hearse around. I think that sure Harry and Lloyd uh, would have done that. What did you think of them bringing back the uh, the, the the blind neighbor kid? <laughs> yeah, you know, some again, I kind of caught wind of that ahead yeah. of time, so it wasn't a total shocker to me. I this was a movie that really could have used some. I, maybe it's stupid of me to say. Maybe I, I think too much of this, but it really could have used some like J.J. Abrams marketing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Spoiler um, control, at least. Yeah, a little bit. because I I would have if if stuff had surprised me. You know, like with Lloyd faking being incapacitated for twenty years. Or, you know, the return of the blind kid and things like that. I would have at least chuckled 10 to 15 times throughout the movie just on surprises. But nothing was surprising. So I didn't even get kind of like (laughs) chuckles, you know. So I ended up just kind of sitting there and it made the experience far less enjoyable. There's definitely a trailer you could have, you know, people are going to go see Dumb and Dumber 2. You don't have to give away jokes. And the whole marketing, I don't think the studios understand this, understood this movie that you don't have to give the jokes away. People have such an affinity for these characters, they're going to go, especially opening weekend. There's, there's, I promise there's $40 million worth of Dumb and Dumber diehard fans that will go in the, you know, the opening weekend. And they didn't seem to understand how to do that. They felt like they had to give the whole movie away in the, in the promotion, which is, is frustrating. That being said, I don't think very many people will go see Dumb and Dumber 3. I think that's a bad idea. I think Dumb and Dumber 2 was a no-brainer, but I don't know if people go see Dumb and Dumber 3 after this one. It, it was a lot of novelty viewers, at least in my theater. Yeah, I don't know about your screening, but my screening was largely silent. Yeah. At least for the first hour. A good hour of the movie, there was very little laughter. There's and, a little peak about in the midway where there's a couple funny things that happen. And right. then the last act is just it, it nosedives really hard. Them traveling to his daughter is yeah. is the stuff that works, if anything. Yep. But by by the way, you pointed it out you pointed it out in the early days of the podcast. Most obvious plot point ever. I believe I had that, that. Yeah. Jim Carrey was gonna be in love with his own daughter. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even smart and I figured that one out. I'm not kidding, maybe in April. Maybe her giant bangs gave it away. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if anything, that I mean that that gave it away for me. And I don't know who that actress was, but just keep your mouth closed and be in all the movies you want. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> What's her name? Rachel Melvin? Yeah. Well, she was in Zombievers, which I didn't see yet. Oh, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> had a run on Days of Our Lives, but uh, not from Haven't we all? Work. I had a, I had a yeah. brief run on that. Yeah. And passion, and I had an eight-episode eight arc on... Mm-hmm. All my children. Oh, that was good work. Thanks. Were you with Lucci? Yes, Susan Lucci. She's good she's friend. The best. She's yeah. the best. The rumors are true. She is. She's great in person. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just funny that we're even talking about this. I just want to reiterate that. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, it feels like the Twilight Zone in a weird way. <laughs> it does. And you know, overuse of Rob Riggle once again. It's something that we. Yeah. 
we've warned about in the past. No, I Rob asked Riggle. the people on uh, Fox NFL Sunday how that's working for them. <laughs> not good? Or No, it's not the best. Remember when they had Jimmy Kimmel doing that every yes, week and it was funny? I do. That was way better. No, yeah, they went to him and then Caliendo and now the Riggs. What's more disturbing? The fact that Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels didn't stop the Fairley brothers from letting this happen or the fact that the Fairley brothers – and Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels legitimately think this is like great work. This is a worthy sequel to the classic well, Dumb and Dumber. One of the best things about Dumb and Dumber is, and I'm I'm going to write a little bit of an excuse here. One of the best things about Dumb and Dumber is how much uh, all those involved love it, and I think they are clouded by that experience. Yes, and. They were, I think, willing to do anything to kind of hang out together and get the band back together. Hey, the script's not great. Don't worry about it. We'll improv some great stuff. We did it in 1994. Uh, and so I, I will write them a pass on that because I think their enthusiasm for doing another one uh, was very... It's what got them through it, honestly. I mean, they, they put a selfie the first day, you know, look who's back kind of thing. Yeah. And I think their their enthusiasm for it was most likely overshadowed the fact that maybe the material wasn't so great and that's totally understandable same thing happened for godfather 3 <laughs> you're right i don't i don't want people to think that the fact that this is dumb and dumber and it's a sequel to the the movie we love means it's good you know i i want people to admit that this is no no Duh, you should that shouldn't have happened you know Th- this should be another dumb and dumber uh to people and i and i've heard rumors it's been at least a decade or more since I've seen Dumb and Dumberer. I've but never seen I've it. I've heard it's better than this. Wow! Uh, in in recent days, Brian but will definitely be able to tell us. Have that. a thought on that? Okay, because he has to probably watch Dumb and Dumberer before he watches Dumb and Dumber Two because he's an insane person. Yes, he's a, an insane person with lots of time, which is the the most dangerous kind. What do we think about the Fairley Brothers? Obviously, coming off. You know, the biggest hits of their career in The Three Stooges and Hall Pass. Um, you know you know who they remind me of? And it's not really a, a – there's no real person comparison. But remember when for 10 years, you know, National Lampoon in front of a movie meant it was obviously great. <laughs> right. And there were 10 years of – where if the Fairley Brothers were all, you know, involved, it was the same thing. You know, they're a brand more than anything. Same with, say, Judd Apatow or something. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and, and comedically, comedically, sure. And so these are kind of more than people or teams or whatever, they're brands. Uh, and I think every brand has its run. And I, I think the Farrelly's are past theirs. I don't think it takes away at all for what they did. Uh, I think something about Mary is some, a movie that does not hold up particularly well. I, that was a movie that was so kind of shocking. I think if you didn't see it in the theaters, you know, during that run, I think the mayhem that it caused in theaters. Uh, lends people to believe that it's the, you know one of the funniest movies ever. It's really it's okay, it's funny, but it's nothing. Have you seen it recently? No, it's it's nothing spectacular. I actually think me myself and Irene is is just as good, if not better, than there's something about Mary. Well, it's been probably nine months since I've seen something about Mary, so not that long ago. Oh, okay, yeah, that's pretty recently. So, uh, the, and Dumb and Dumber is a classic. I think Kingpin is a classic. Yes. I would say Kingpin and Dumb and Dumber are their best. Totally, by far. Totally. I think it goes 
Those are tier I mean, one. That's, that's yeah, and me myself would be three. Me myself and Mary would be tier two. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think you know what I watched. It was I only watched the first half of the other day. There's some decently, uh, and part of it because the cast is really good. There's some salvageable parts about about the uh, stuck on you. Uh huh. It's not great by any means. It's definitely tier three, but it's not as bad as you would think. Uh, when you and, and part of it's because it's because Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear are, are great, and so they can kind of hide some lazy writing better than most. Uh, and it's just funny to see Matt Damon attached to somebody. And then I I have not seen Hall Pass or Three Stooges, so we're forgetting about Osmosis Jones. Let's <laughs> let's stop stop the conversation. Arla- Orlando's brother. Due time. Yeah, <laughs> Orlando Jones is. Uh, Less, less galactic talented. brother <laughs> yeah. osmosis he's, sci- he's a scientist yeah i forgot about osmosis jones that had a all chris rock david yeah. hyde pierce man remember david hyde pierce i do remember frazier is making is back in my life good i've been watching frazier a lot lately and uh it was great still great sam malone was on the one i watched the other day well, wow. Ted Danson appearance, and uh, it was good to see the old Cheers gang hanging out in Seattle. So are you a, a Bobby or a Peter uh, fan? Uh, I'm a Bobby guy. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm Peter. So Yeah, I go Bobby and Ethan Cohen. Only, yeah. Okay, I'm that a Joel. That should be a rule. <laughs> it's weird. I'm a Joel and a Peter guy. <laughs> if I'm ever a billion a billionaire, I'm just going to offer them, each of those brothers, a just obscene amount of money to split up and do a movie with the other, like a... A Peter Farley, Joe, Joel Cohen joint, and then a, <laughs> a Bobby Farley and a Ethan Cohen film, and just see what happens. I'd see it. Some sort of weird competition in my millionaire brain, and I just want to see who makes the so I can know which brothers are better than the others. Can we crowdfund this? We can. Okay. I don't have much else to say about Dumb and Dumber 2. This was a letdown. And I want to reiterate my love for the first one because I did even give it a weekly recommend. Last week, the old weekly recommend stamp of approval. So I'll go back and watch the watch the first one. This one just – I was shaking my head the whole time. I, I mean 95% of this movie is a cringe. I mean it, it is. It's just – it's sad to see these people trying to do this again. And, and I think Carrie thinks this is going to be some sort of second wave – yeah. Of his career. And I, I just don't see it after this, at least for comedy. I think Carrie still has chops. If he picks the right stuff, a la Bill Murray, you know, mm-hmm. some maybe some small indie movies here and there. I think he could maybe come back or, or have a good run later in his life. But um, I, I hope I hope for the best uh, for Carrie, at least. But I, ha- I, have I just don't see it. You, what? I watched Dumb and Dumber after Dumb and Dumber 2. Okay. And it did not ruin it for me. In fact, it made me appreciate it more. Well, <laughs> so that that's, is, that's, that's good, good to hear. Cause, yeah. Because sometimes things can honestly ruin a, a memory for you or an experience for sure. you. It doesn't. I, I just made me really appreciate how good Dumb and Dumber is. And it's unfortunate because it's not to say that a, a sequel can't work of a comedy. We 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 were oh. fond of of Anchorman 2 last summer. You yeah. Know, Wayne's World. Wayne's very World uh, close to what we expected or wanted from it at least in my opinion um i haven't given it a second watching but uh that's the opinion i'm coming from but next we just need a happy gilmore too that's what i was gonna say what what, what movies from the 90s are gonna be <laughs> greenlit with i've always been surprised that we, we're getting I, zoolander too uh pretty yeah. soon that's official i think i've always been surprised of a 
I think an easy family comedy to make, and this is just my executive brain, if you watch Billy Madison, at the end of Billy Madison, after he completes it, he says he's going to go become a teacher. And I think Adam Sandler with a bunch of kids teaching as Billy Madison teaching fourth grade uh, or something would be an easy $150 million. Mr. Madison? Yeah, Mr. Madison. <laughs> Professor so I'm, Madison. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Yeah. You know what I mean? That'd be just him up to some hijinks with somebody. I think a Happy Gilmore stuff. sequel would do better, honestly, than Billy Madison. I do, but I think Billy Madison just writes itself easier. Yeah. Um, and you could, it would appeal. I think a Happy Gilmore sequel would be funnier, but I, I think Mr. Madison would do well. You could, you could basically make School of Rock minus music and, uh, and have a, I think, make a ton. But so, I think you would have had to do it five years ago. I, maybe people have soured on Sandler finally at the box office. <laughs> Men, women, and children didn't do. Yeah, uh, not too well. Not, not too, too good, hot. unfortunately. So what's the consensus, Richard? Any other thoughts on Dumb and Dumber 2? I mean, this, I, is, this is the official conversation, so if you've let's made let it, it all out this, here. This podcast, for whatever reason, without, uh, without, and you haven't seen it, and you're a huge fan of the first film, I would actually advise you not to see it. Right. Take yeah, take what go right. watch the trailer online and take joy in seeing the characters again because that's that's literally the only purpose this serves. Right? It's just fun to see them again. And luckily, there's YouTube, and you can just watch the two minute extended trailer of Dumb and Dumber Two. Say, oh man, it's cool to see those guys again. They're 20 years older. They're still making the same jokes, and then just and then just wash your hands of it. Would be my advice. Let's move on to grades, Richard. Um, I'm going to give this the old Kent Garrison, F minus, minus, minus. Richard. Wow. I'm going to give it an F plus. F plus? I don't think I've ever given an F plus. I'm going to give it an F plus. Okay, gotcha. There's a couple laughs, you know. There's worse things. I've seen worse things this year. I will say that. Oh, I have I can't say this wasn't the worst movie of the year, which it could have been. I think A Million Ways to Die in the West was worse than this. You know what? More unwatchable. Yeah, that was this that was, was watchable just because of the fact of what it is. Just because of the fact that I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, I'm watching a Dumb and Dumber sequel, not some Seth MacFarlane trying to <laughs> literally reinvent uh, the wheel here. It's uh, it's similar. It's silly as it is. Um, yeah. it's really kind of a fun prequel to how we're going to feel. And you're not going to believe I'm going to say this, but how we're going to feel watching Star Wars. Like Ooh, it's going to be the same no. feeling magnified by two hundred. Yeah, no, but I'm in not, a good not way. It's going to be yeah. bad. I'm just saying. No, it's going to be good. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the feeling of wow. Look, there's Harry and Lloyd. That weird feeling of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Imagine that when you're looking at Luke Skywalker. Wow, I just got goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's that. There it does have that value, and there is a value to that. I'm not dismissing that. It you're really right. is fun to see them again. But like I said, my advice would say you can do that on YouTube. <laughs> And on that note, (laughs) let's move on, Richard. Let's hit a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. I'm going to recommend. I've kind of done three straight or two straight uh, celebrity memoir books. I've been on a kick lately, and the one I'm reading right now, and I I started with Amy Poehler, and I did the Martin Short book as well, and now I'm doing the Choose Your Own Adventure Neil Patrick Harris autobiography. Which uh, is set up as a choose your own adventure book, and it's in nice. the second. It's in the it's in the second person. So you are Neil Patrick Harris in the book, and you get to make career decisions and stuff, and uh, work your way through his career. It's really fun, a really fun way to do it. And he's a really inventive guy, and I'm, I'm enjoying it immensely. 
let's throw it all the way back to the 90s tonight with the Choose Your Own yeah. Adventure. Yeah, it really is. It's Check out when you're the bookstore kid. I think you get a kick out of it. It's, it's a legitimate, it's branded and everything as a Choose Your Own Adventure book. He wrote it. And he wrote it in second person, which is really funny. So, you know, if you choose to do Doogie Hauser, go to page 161. You know, that kind of stuff. It's hilarious. 2015 Oscar host Neil Patrick Harris and yeah. future, future American treasure. Uh, He's certainly Harris. on an early path. He He's have on to the go, trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. He'd have to pull a Cosby to get thrown out. <laughs> which is uh, a debate. We're going to have to be. Yeah. We're gonna, it's going to be tough. We, we might have to throw out our first American treasure. You can't throw. I don't know if you can throw out American. Because they be, they're an American treasure the day they were inducted and every day before that. Not post. Yeah, but you don't. Yeah, I mean, but you do. Do you kick somebody out of, the, uh, out of Cooperstown? I think you do. I think there's some old. I don't know. Is Ty Cobb still in there? Because he was the worst person ever, right? Yeah. Uh, he's got to be in there. Okay. It's tough, though, but that's that's a. Based on sport, American I guess treasure. if you could take away a Heisman Trophy, you can exactly. And I say we American give his treasure. spot to OJ. I say <laughs> we just make the whole thing. Yeah. No, but uh, it's. I think yeah, because we're treasuring you as a person. It's what, not. It's not. Let's just clarify on, that on Brian sport. Gill brought American Treasure uh, Bill Cosby to the and table. Neither neither Richard or I. <laughs> so how about that's the rule? We're we're making up rules on the spot. Uh, Brian has to decide whether or not he stays or goes. That's the inductee, the inductee makes the final decision. We will talk American Treasures again at the beginning of December. We do it the first episode of every month, so look forward to that. But I'm going to That's recommend, good. yeah, let's hear it. Ken. I'm going to recommend uh, a film that we um, that we got to review last year, and it w- it made some of our top ten lists last year, and it's made its way to Netflix. Uh, I'm going to recommend Alexander Payne's Nebraska. It stars, oh yeah. Um, one of our favorite people in the world, Will Forte, and it's made its way to Netflix. Really good to watch this again. Really enjoyed this film. It's in all black and white. It stars Bruce Stern in an Academy Award nominated role, as well as June Squibb. I believe she was nominated as well. Mm-hmm. And it's one that's worth a rewatch, uh, Richard, if you haven't we'll yet do. rewatched it. And as much as we love Forte, and we would say it even if he was terrible in this movie, he's really good. In this he's movie. very good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we, we all bow before the greatness that is Mr. Orville Willis Forte the fourth. Apparently there's a color version of Nebraska out there. Interesting. That is going to see the light of day eventually. So, so they shot in color or they add the color in in post. The, the only true way to, uh, apparently this is what Alexander Payne said. The only true way to get great contrast in black and white is to shoot it in color and then post in and post transfer okay. it to black and white. Uh, you really get more, I guess, shadow depth that way than okay. shooting traditionally in black and white. Um, at least I, I, I'm assuming they were, they shot this digitally and then in a post. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, that'd be interesting to see eventually a uh, color version of Nebraska. So if, if that ends up coming out, we will, of course, uh, mention it on the podcast. Um, so that's my recommend is uh, Nebraska. Give it a watch. Uh, throw on the podcast. It's on our on our website. And uh, and have a good old rocking time. But Richard, um, where can I find your work on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden, or you can find me on Thought Catalog. Kent, where can I find you? 
Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and find all of our episodes uh, on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Find all of our weekly recommends on there and uh, contact the show on there as well. Just click contact. And if you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. And on that note, until next week, Richard, I will see you at the cinema. I will see you at the cinema. Goodbye and get well, Brian. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.